All right. So I'm really excited about uh, Breakthrough Weekend and then also the joint service. Um, unity in the body of Christ is what's needed. And uh, something I always am just um, so encouraged by in the New Testament when I um, read Paul's letters is that uh, when he addresses the church, he always addresses the church of that city. It's not this local church, this local, this little local church. It's the church of Corinthians, the church of Ephesus, the church of Galatia. He's addressing all of them. And uh, we just really believe in the Lord for the church of Erie. You know, we are operating and working together to uh, minister the love and life of Jesus to Erie County. And so um, it's a, I feel like it's a big step, and I think it's a really exciting thing for us to uh, begin to, to do. So join us at Breakthrough Conference for sure and for that Sunday. Um, all right, we're going to uh, talk about tithes and offerings real quick here. I just want to encourage you guys with uh, two scripture verses. Uh, the first one is from Luke 6. 38, and I think we have it on the screen here. Yes, here's what it says. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And we've all heard that passage of scripture um, probably through our lives if you've grown up in church and uh, listened to messages about giving. Uh, but there's another verse I want to read also from Luke 21, and it says in verse 1, uh, starting in verse 1, and he looked up, that's Jesus, and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites or like two pennies, and he said, so he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. And so I just want to encourage you um, in your giving uh, financially, but in your giving in general, you know, the Lord's not looking at the amount. He's not comparing amounts that we give to other people or anything like that. It's all the heart. Jesus is looking at the heart. And so two pennies for that woman was the world because she gave out of her poverty. That was, uh, she gave a ton. It was, and it falls under the promise of given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. With the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Well, her two pennies was a ton. And so a ton is going to be measured back to her through the power and love of our, of our Father. And so I just want to encourage you, as you give, always give from your heart. Let whatever you give come from your heart and let it uh, um, uh, compel you to give. Like, let that amount, whatever you're giving, just really uh, be from your heart and not like, I need to give more and look this way or that way. It has nothing to do with that. And the Lord is faithful to, to provide all that we need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Amen? So, I also want to encourage you guys to ask the Lord for the things that you need. He says, you have not because you ask not. And something the Lord has just been really, I, I mentioned it last week, but 
He is our provision. He is our income. So every day, I'm ask, I ask the Lord. He told me, every day you need to ask, ask me. Even though you know I'm going to provide for you, ask. As a child comes to his father, you know, Father, I ask you for provision, income. I ask you for provision in my mind. I ask you for provision in my body. I ask you for provision in my emotions, Lord, in, in, in my social world. Everything that I have need of, Father, I ask you to minister it to me. And, um, and then I also have to be willing to give from my heart the most I can every time. It's loving the way he does, and he promises to take care of us. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you are a good father, and we thank you for taking care of us and always giving to us. Father, I ask you to bless uh, every gift, Lord, uh, that, we've, that was given today, and uh, every gift that we give, whether it's financially or just being a friend to somebody and loving them showing mercy, uh, showing kindness, Father. As we give, Lord, we trust you to take care of us and be our provider and uh, meet every need that we have in our lives. And so we thank you for your faithfulness and your loving kindness. And we give you all the praise and glory. And uh, Father, we also ask you as we enter into your word this morning, Father, that you would speak exactly what you want to speak. Lord, that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that are sensitive to you. Uh, to hear your word and for it to change us and to make us more like you. And uh, we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we've been going through a, uh, I started a series called The Believer's Authority. And um, Pastor Jason, uh, we're all really excited to talk about this. We feel like it's a very timely um, topic. And so... um, Pastor Jason started talking about it a couple weeks ago, and our key verse that we've been using is uh, Mark 16, and I'm going to read verses 15 through 18. And it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and they will drink anything, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And so um, the Lord has uh, promised to perform miracles, and um, we're going to kind of unpack all these different things that he said here um, over, over the next weeks here. Um, but Pastor Jason made a few def- gave us a few definitions. He said a definition of a believer. So, you know, these signs will follow those who believe. So what is a believer? It's anyone who holds a strong belief in, tr- in the truth of something. So you could be a believer of uh, the power of vitamins, right? My dad is a, I grew up, my dad always uh, took vitamins, like all of his life. And growing up, I'm like, why does he take all those vitamins, you know? Well, like, he was, he's like one of the healthiest people I know. Like, he like, never gets sick. If he gets sick, I mean, it's rare. Um, he still has all of his, his hair's not gray yet. Like, I don't know what vitamins he's taken, but it's funny because all these years I was like, ah, who needs vitamins? And then uh, uh, over the last year or two, I've been taking vitamins. And I mean, I've got, I got like a handful of vitamins I take every day now. And I'm like, I've become my dad. And it's just really funny. 
but I've become a believer, you know, in vitamins. Like, hey, this is, it works, right? So anyone who holds a strong belief in the truth of something, well, we hold a strong belief in truth in Jesus, in uh, who he is, the Son of God, and uh, the creator of all things, and that he died on the cross for our sins, which we could not pay. The wages of sin is death, but his, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. We believe he died and rose from the dead, and so we are believers of him, or in him. And the definition of authority, he says he's going to give us authority to go do all these signs and wonders and miracles. And authority, the definition is delegated power, the right to command and to enforce obedience, uh, not over people, but over the enemy. And then uh, power itself, the definition is the ability to act or produce strength. And so Jesus has given all authority, uh, has been given all authority, and, he's, uh, and all authority and power is found in his name. It's through him. He is the one who holds all power and authority. And it's in his name that we can exercise the authority and the power that he has given to us as uh, believers in him. And Jesus gave us his authority and expects us to use it. Amen. He expects us to. He expects, expects us to go in his name as, he, as his commissioned sons and daughters and to be like him in acting authority over sin over thoughts, over fear, over confusion, over Satan himself. Amen? Amen. He expects us to do it. I don't think I always remember that. You know, it's like I have to remember that. He expects me, like, if I give somebody something, I want them to use it, right? right? And so he wants us to use this uh, authority and power to go and make disciples. And he promises when we go in his name that he will perform his word and enact his authority in this fallen world. Amen? So last week, um, I started talking about the foundation of the believer's authority and how Jesus' authority, the miracles miracles he performed, and the things he uh, preached and taught were always founded in in and motivated by love. The love uh, for his Father and for people. Amen? It was through his love. And I had a bunch of verses. I'm going to read some of these here. Uh, Matthew 9, 35 through 36. So today, um, I have a lot of scriptures, as always. Uh, Some of them are up on the screen. Some of them won't be. But um, write them down, uh, or the the locations. But Matthew 9, 35 through 36. Just showing Jesus's, uh, how he operated through love. It says, uh, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus was always moved with compassion for people. And that compassion is motivated by the love of his father. Matthew 14, I'm just going to read, uh, it's 10 through 14, but I'm going to just read verse 14. It says, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. It was the compassion that he had, the love that he had, that motivated him and moved him to go and to use his authority and power to heal people and to bring them to life. And, And in that specific passage, you know, John the Baptist had just been beheaded, and he found out, and he went off. And, um, you know, that's a tough situation. 
And, but all these people were following him. Like, he's like, what is he going to do? And he, he, the love of God just rose up inside of him, and he was able to, uh, the love of his father was able to just minister to them. Uh, Luke 7, 11 through 15, I love this story. It says, now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. What a terrible situation, right? And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried it carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. I mean, what a miracle. <laughs> They're carrying the guy in his coffin, and Jesus raises him from the dead. And, um, but he was motivated by love, by compassion. Uh, Mark 10, 21. This is uh, Jesus talking to the rich young ruler. He said, it says, Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. It was love that motivated Jesus to uh, speak to this young man, and he spoke a hard word to this young man. I mean, he was rich, and he had everything, and he thought he was living a perfect life, and he said, well, you're lacking one thing. And Jesus, uh, he loved so much that, what do they say? It says uh, the, the uh, wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. And so, you know, Jesus, in the words that he spoke, somewhat like, cut him a little bit to where it's like, oh, whoa, and I need to do this, and, uh, but Jesus knows exactly how to speak to somebody, because he always operated from love, and he knew exactly what that young man needed to hear to get him to the place that he needed to go, and so Jesus always moved by love, so um, Jesus always operated in and through love, and this makes sense, because in 1 John 4, 8, it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He is love. God is love. And that word love is the uh, Greek word agape. And it says, the definition of that is love or affection or benevolence, especially a love feast, charity, dear or love. So, Jesus, so God the Father, Jesus, they all are literally love. They don't just have love. They are love. Our Father is affection. He is benevolence. He is love. And so Jesus was always operating in love as love. Jesus was love in the flesh, and the Father sent Jesus because he loved us. John 3.16, most of us all know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. Because God is love, his authority and love are not mutually exclusive. They are unified. They are unified. And that's important. Because when, you have, when somebody has authority and when somebody has power, you know, if they are not operating through love, what do they become? Yeah, they become Kim Jong-un. They come, become any dictator in the world. 
if, you are, if we are not operating, if we have power and we are not operating with love, our sinful nature is going to become tyrannical with it in some way. Maybe not to the extreme of those dictators, but in our lives, you know, love is the balance. Love, God and love are, or God is love, and so all of his power, all of his authority flows through that love. And Jesus understood this. John 5, 19 through 20 says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son. Jesus knew he was loved by his dad, and he lived in it. And he shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So Jesus understood that he could do nothing apart from his dad. He said, I can do nothing of myself. I mean, this is Jesus. He's like, I can't do anything without the Father. I can't do anything without his love. All the miracles, all the stuff, the way I love people, you know, I can't do any of it without my Father, and his love. So this is so important to understand, and it's why Jesus also tells us, you can write these, John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. I can do nothing. And we talked about that last week. I mean, I was, I'm kind of going to the extreme and saying, Father, what kind of shirt should I wear today? You know, like it might sound funny, but it helps me to remind myself that I can do nothing without him. And I'm really trying to press into those things more. Apart from love, we can do nothing. This means that when we are not unified with love, there's no authority in his name. You know? His name is not, you know, a magic word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it doesn't mean that our prayers are going to be answered if we hate our brother. Right? Didn't Jesus say that? He's like, if you hate your brother, you're worse than a murderer. You're like, you murdered him in your heart. It's like, ooh, so then if I hate my brother and I try to use Jesus' name, is it going to work? No, because it's not a magic word. It's a word that we're supposed to operate in through love, right? And so we need love. Uh, it's why Paul says in Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Our faith works through love. And we need faith to please God, but we need faith to be able to, if we have a mustard seed of faith, we can move mountains. Well, that love, the love of our Father, is what uh, gives us that faith and strengthens our faith at mustard seed, to be able to go and move mountains. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. That's a hard word to hear. You know, how many, I know I have personally given in my life to make myself feel better, not because I love them. I think we probably all have, right? It's just who we are as people apart from Christ. 
And so, you know, you think about all the people that, you know, they're trying to care for, they, they have charities and all these different things and they go on to TikTok and they go on to Instagram, Facebook and they, they give and you see these actors giving all this money away and a lot of you wonder, wow, they're really generous and it's like, yeah, but if they don't have the love of God in their hearts and they're not giving because they genuinely love and care for the people that they are giving to or the animals that they're giving to or anything that they're doing, it profits them zero they are nothing. So love is so powerful. First Peter 3.7 says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, meaning uh, your wife, dwell with your wife, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may be answered. So Peter is saying, hey, if you want your prayers answered, husbands, if you want that authority to come through, you need to love your wife. And the same is true for the wife. She's got to love her husband. But love is that powerful. Love stops, the, the lack of love stops prayers from being answered. And so we need this revelation of love. Love is who God is, and it is central to him. It's the foundation for how we live our lives as Christians and operate in the authority God has given us through Jesus. And so... With every angle, as we talk about the believer's, believer's authority in these next weeks and continue to talk about the signs and wonders and all these different areas and in whichever way the Lord directs us, um, <clears throat> it all has to be bathed in love. We need to be saturated in love. And the more that we love, the more we become like our Father and operate the way Jesus did on this earth. And so last week I made the, one of the key points was awakened love awakens the believer's authority. Awakened love awakens the believer's, believer's authority. And I probably should um, specify when I say awakened love, it's awakened love is awakening the love of the Father. It's not just like, oh, I love now. It's the love of the Father that we need in us. We need to know that he loves us and we need to love him. That's how Jesus operated. <clears throat> we need a revelation of God's love for us and unity with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I was talking last week about how do we awaken that love? And it is through a revelation of the Father's love, of God's love uh, for us and unity with him and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And... Um, as I was trying to, when I was preparing this week, because last week it was spur of the moment, I had some notes scribbled down and Pastor Jason was like, can you preach today? Because we are just very emotional right now, which totally understandable. And so I was like, yes. And um, so I just, you know, preached. And this week it's different because I had time to prepare. And as I was preparing, uh, it was... You ever, have you ever prepared for something and like you feel like you just start going down rabbit trails and hitting dead ends? And, all, and I just kind of felt that way. And um, I think, the, and I know the reason is because, you know, awakening love, how do you awaken the love of God in us to awaken the, spirit, the believer's authority? Like, God is not a God of formulas. There's not a formula for awakening the love of God in us. There's not, I don't have a, a list of like, if you do these things, the love of God will be awakened in you. It's, it's literally only being with the Father and with his Son. 
The only way we can awaken it is through being with him and experiencing his love. His love has to be experienced. It has to be felt. It has to be touched. It has to be heard. It has to be seen. Otherwise, we will not be able to know what love is. That's why the Father had to send Jesus, yes, to save us from our sins and die for our sins so we could be saved. But if we didn't see Jesus through the Scriptures, if the disciples hadn't seen Jesus and handled and touched him, like they say, they would not have been able to continue his love after, you know, at all. They had to experience Jesus and his love. And so we need to be with him. And um, so what I actually wanted to do is just read verses and encourage all of us today about the love of God. First John 4.19 says, uh, we love him because he first loved us. And I, and I really feel that since the Lord just wanting to tell each of us that he loves us. He loves you individually. Like, he loves us, he loves you. And um, Psalm 119, 130 says, the entrance of his, of your words, or God's words, gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And so I wanted to just read some verses today to encourage us in the love of the Father. And I want it to minister to you, because I don't know if all of us, I mean, everybody needs to hear it, but maybe there's just one person that needs to hear, like, uh, the Father loves you. Like, he genuinely wants you. And that has uh, changed me, knowing that. So, these verses are not going to be on the screen, so you can just kind of listen to them. I'm going to just talk and share from them, and then uh, you can write them down. Uh, there's, just so you know, guys, there's a bazillion verses in the Bible to talk about the love of the Father. Uh, these are the ones that stood out to me this week. And so, um, <clears throat> just starting in Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God made you in his image. You're not just some cosmic chance. God wasn't like, oh, let's just create people and all willy-nilly about it. He created you in his image to look like him. Amen. When angels look at you, they're like, that person, image of God right there. Amen. Doesn't say the angels were created in the image of God. But you are means that you have intrinsic, intrinsic value like built into you because you were made in the image of God. It doesn't make us like, we shouldn't get egotistical. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying God made you in his image. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, he ordained Jeremiah a prophet to the nations. He might not be ordaining each of us to be a prophet to the nations. But he does not play favorites. And so when he told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, 
Before you were born, I sanctified you. That is a statement that is true for every single one of us. It's true for you. The Father knew you in the womb before you were in the womb. He set you apart for himself. He didn't set you apart so you could go around the world and preach the gospel, first and foremost. He set you apart first and foremost for himself because he created you in his image to be his sons and daughters, to be his kids, to be his children, to have the relationship like when you, I, I think about my brother and he's got his son and his daughter and I see them, he's sitting in his recliner chair and they come over and they climb up into his lap and they just sit there and enjoy being together even if they're on a little pad or something like that. But they just sit with their dad and have that close, loving, intimate relationship. That is what the Father has for you, for each of you. He loves you. Psalm 139, 13 through 18. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed, and in your book they, are all, they all were written. God has a book about you. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God the Father loves you. He formed you. He thinks about you more than all the sand in all the world. That's a lot of thoughts. Good thoughts, loving thoughts, thoughts to prosper you, give you a hope and a future, an expected end. Ephesians 1, 3, and 3 through 6. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms and with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. He chose you before the creation of the world. Before he said, let there be light. He chose you. It means he already knew you. To be holy and blameless in his sight. To be perfect in his image. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Ladies, he's called you to sonship as well. And it sounds weird, but he's talking about position. You know, you see throughout history, the sons always had this, the firstborn son always had this position and received the the blessings of the father. He has that for all of us. That's why Paul says to sonship, for all of us to have that position with our dad of unity with him, of his blessing. He chose you. He chose you. He chose me. 
How many of you have thought about, you know, you, we all know our sins, right? We all know our stuff. And when we look at our lives, you know, you look back and you're like, man, I've done some really bad, dumb stuff. You know, like, ugh. How many have ever sat in regret and depression? You know, you're like, just the most worthless. Ugh, you know. Jesus chose you. The Father chose you before the foundation of the world because he loved you, because he wanted you, because he knows who he made you to be. He loves you. Revelation 13.8, all who dwell on the earth, so this is talking a little bit about the Antichrist here, it says, all who dwell on the earth will worship the Antichrist, whose names have not, not been written in the book of life, of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The lamb, Jesus, slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus chose to die for us before the foundation of the world. He chose to die for you because he loves you. Because he wants you deeply. Jeremiah 1.3. I'm sorry, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his love toward us that in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord has appeared to me of old saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Mm, everlasting love. In this world, we know people who say they love us and then doesn't last, right? They're the friends that we talked about earlier that are like, eh, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Not Jesus, not the Father, not the Holy Spirit. Our God loves us with an everlasting love. He will never not love you. He will always love you. Amen. I'm saying these, the entrance of your word brings light. Until we know how much the Father loves us, we cannot love him. Until we know that he loves us, and we live in that love, we cannot love like him. You are loved. You are wanted. You are desired. You were planned. You're not a mistake. God sees you for who he made you to be. He's not afraid of your life. He's not afraid of your failures. He's not afraid of your addictions. He's not afraid of your messes. He's not afraid of your questions. There's a lot of questions on this earth. Why this happened? Why that happened? Why suffering? And all of these different things. And we could do whole messages on all of them. But I would ask you to listen to one thing very closely. God is not unaware of your hurts. He's not unaware of your pain. He's not unaware of your suffering and your loneliness. He's not unaware of your questions of fear and doubt. He's not unaware of your desires. He is intimately acquainted with pain, suffering, loss, and rejection personally, and he's intimately acquainted with yours. And he knows about it, and he cares about it, and he wants to bring you to life. And I'm saying this to all of us who are Christians and we follow Jesus, but I want us to have a deeper revelation of it because we cannot go and minister to the people of this earth Unless we know that we are loved. Jesus had to know he was loved. There was a reason that the Father at his baptism spoke audibly and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
Jesus, Jesus knew his father's love. But Jesus also needed to hear it too, out loud. He also said it to him again, spoke audibly on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus, and tells the disciples, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased, listen to him. Jesus always dwelled in his father's love. And as soon as we fall out of our father's love, that's when we fall to pieces. That's when life just goes haywire. And we can't sustain our own life. The Lord is near to those who are brokenhearted and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Psalm 34, 18. Psalm 147, 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. John 6, 35 and 40. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me, verse 37, will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. When you come to Jesus, he will never cast you away. Ever. Because he loves you. And Satan doesn't want you to know. He doesn't want you to know how much he loves you, how much God loves you, how much the Father loves you. 1 John 4, 18, Satan knows this verse, says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Satan knows that verse. That's why he's always working to get us to be afraid and worry about stuff. But if we can find ourselves in the Father's love at all times, every single day, fear will go away. Perfect love casts out fear. I have this on the screen. Uh, Edward is in the Father's love, and then it has like an equals thing. Let's see if I can get that up. Okay. In the Father's love, if you are in the Father's love, it equals no reason to fear. When we are in his love, like if you saw, if you were, if if you were walking around with the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit right now, which okay, we are because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But I mean, if you were woke up today or tomorrow, and like the Father was here and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and they were right with you, and you were gonna walk out your door to go wherever, would you be afraid of anything? No. That's what we have now through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit shed abroad in our hearts. He may not be here tangibly where I can go and touch him. But he's here with you. And his love is shed abroad in our hearts. So we have no reason to fear. No reason to fear equals no reason to sin. If I'm not afraid of something, I have no reason to go and sin. And to do things opposite of my Father. If we have no sin, no sin equals confidence in God. 1 John 3.21 says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Confidence in God equals unity with Him. Unity with Him equals living a life of love. Living a life of love equals authority over our enemy. That's it. Love is the foundation. But 
We have to know the Father loves us. He loves us. He loves you. The Father loves you. He loves you. Everybody say, the Father loves me. Jesus loves me. Holy Spirit loves me. John 15, 7 and 8, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. I want to be productive. I want to bear fruit. John 15, 9 and 11, As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, we read this earlier, You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Is anybody suffering from low joy levels? I have. Hey, if we're suffering from low joy levels, what do we need to do? Based on the things that we're listening to this morning from his word. His word gives us light. We need to draw near to the Father. We need to get close to Jesus, abide in his love, and our joy will be filled. And we will have the strength for the day. John 12, I'm sorry, John 14, 12 through 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. For those who believe in him and know the Father's love and abide in his love. And so this morning, I just want to, the Lord wants you to know he loves you. He loves you. He wants you to be his sons and his daughters. He wants you to be close to him. He wants you to know his love more than anything. Not so he can use you to do something. Yes, he wants to use our lives to bring glory to, his, to him. But above, first and foremost, he wants you because he made you to be with him. He, made, he is love, so he created you in love, to function in his love, to be one with him because we can do nothing apart from him. From him. He made us for himself. So I wanted to encourage us with that. And I also felt the Lord just wanting to say, Let his love just saturate our hearts and then let it begin to just spur us on to loving the people around us. Because there's a lot of people that don't know that God loves them. They don't know. They don't know. I, uh, when I was at Rama, I'll be wrapping up here in a second here, but when I was at Rama, I might get a drink of water. Uh, there was this missionary that came, and uh, I think he was from Indonesia, and he preached this message, and I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but he, had, he talked about the look-away disease, and he's like, he's like, I had a neck problem. <laughs> he's like, whenever I go through life, I had this neck problem. Whenever I would see somebody in need, my neck would just turn and I'd look away I had this disease called the look away disease and I was like it's always stuck with me because he was talking about like 
he wasn't walking in love. He didn't know the love of the Father. And it was causing him, like, whenever he was out and about, you know, he would see somebody that maybe didn't look the way he, you know, felt comfortable around, or maybe they were suffering. Like, how many of you drive by the, uh, you see the person on the corner holding the, you know, give, you know, I need money or whatever, and they have their dog, and you're like, you look away. You're like, you don't want to make eye contact with them because you don't want to, like, feel obligated to give. Okay, that's called the look-away disease. I've had that, like, plenty of times, okay? Like, I still have to struggle. I still have to fight against We always have to fight against it. But um, he talked about, you know, we need to look for people that need love. We need to look at the people around us in our everyday lives. We can only love them, though, if we know the Father's love for us. And once we know the Father's love, then we can look and love them the way that they need to be loved. And uh, there's a <clears throat> Acts 3, uh, 1 through 10. I just want to read this. It says, Now Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John Peter, sorry, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Instead of looking away, they said, look at us. So he gave gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I I don't have it. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Steve Hetherington, didn't you just come up on stage this morning and you were like walking, you were saying, walking and leaping and praising the Lord as he went to the drum cage? Okay. And all people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. The Lord is leading us in this love so that way we can be like Jesus. Who Who did Peter and John learn to do that from? From Jesus, by being in his love. Jesus always looked to the need and then gave his Father's love to them. Okay? That's what he's calling us to, to do. The same thing that we see Peter and John do, live like Jesus. But we need to know he loves us. And so I want to challenge us with just three things, three simple things. <clears throat> Ask the Father every day to reveal his love to you right where you're at. Ask him to reveal the, his love to, to you. If you wake up and you're feeling unloved, you're feeling lonely, you're feeling sad, depressed, worried about something, turn to him in the morning or throughout, and throughout your day and say, Father, I invite you into this feeling that I have right now. I ask you to reveal your love to me. And then the next thing, ask the Father to fill us with his compassion. I had a lot more to talk about, <clears throat> but... Uh, 
we're on short time. But we need to ask him to fill us with his compassion and then begin, instead of looking away, to look to the need. But what I want to end with is just thinking about what we just read. You know, we were all the guy begging for alms broken. We were, all of us were that person. And Jesus looked at us. He didn't look away. He looked at you. He looked at you. He looked at you. He looked at you, Roberto. He looked at you, Steve. Caleb, he looked at you. He looked at you, Janet. He looked at you, Paul. He looked at me as I hit the microphone. He looked at you. So, uh, Sydney, if you could come up and um, we'll just take a couple minutes here. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Everybody just close your eyes. Jesus loves you. He looked at you. The Father loves you. The Father loves you. The Father loves you. He cares about your life. He wants you to know him. His plans for you are good. You might be going through a tough season right now. Maybe you're dealing with lots of sickness and suffering or loneliness or you're feeling lost in some way or you're just, you don't know what to do in life and you're looking for direction and you just feel like, man, God seems far away from me right now. I don't know what to do. I can't seem to hear his voice. His voice is saying, I'm not far away from you. I'm near to you. I care about the season you're in. I care about the life that you are living. I care about the desires of your heart. I care about the little things. I am not far from you. I have things for you better than you can imagine. of God's love right now, just raise your hand. Keep your heads bowed. Just be with Jesus. But if you need a revelation of his love in a real way, raise your hand. Say, I've been missing some things in life. Take a moment and evaluate your life about how you view people around you. Do you have the look-away disease? If you find yourself looking away, you need a revelation of the love of the Father. We all do, right? Every day we need this revelation. Jesus could not do what he did unless he was with the Father every day and knew his Father's love for him, which eliminated fear, worry, doubt, everything that would stop him from being like his dad.
I can have some of the, uh, just our prayer, Chet and Jane, Maureen, Joanne, come on. Paul, if you want to come up. If there's anybody here who needs a revelation of the love of the Father this morning and needs prayer, uh, I just want to make it available to us before we just close and say, if you need prayer, come up. Let's take a few moments. If you, if you need a revelation of the love of the Father, if you need some comfort, some peace, come up front here to these, uh, these uh, wonderful people who have pastoral hearts that will care for you. Just come up and uh, get some prayer. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we surrender our hearts to your love right now. Jesus, thank you for your death and resurrection. But thank you for coming so we could know the love of the Father. You said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Lord, some of us need to see you in a deeper way this morning. Reveal it to our hearts, Father. Your love, your compassion, your mercy, your goodness, your favor, your joy. Father. Awaken our hearts to your love, Dad. Awaken our hearts to knowing you and having the same love that you have for us, for you and for those around us. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your love. Again, if anybody needs some prayer. I don't want to just like close and end. I just <clears throat> want to give people, all of you, a moment. Just be with the Lord, and then if you want to come up for prayer, come up for prayer, and then I'll close here in a few minutes. But let's just take this moment to let the, lo- the love of the Father speak to your hearts right now. Father, we give you praise and glory. Thank you for your love, Jesus. Thank you for your love, Father. We're just going to take a few more minutes. If you need to go, feel free. If you want to just stay here, I just want to leave this open for people to come and uh, just get prayer. Um, If you have to go, feel free. I love you. And uh, next week, Pastor Jason and Pastor Liz will be back and uh, we'll continue with this Believer's Authority. Um, but just know that you are loved, wanted. And I encourage you every day to ask the Father to reveal his love to you, to stir your hearts to love like him, and to begin to not look away, but look. Ask people to look to you to sh- as you share your, the love of the Father with them and point them to Jesus. And uh, the Lord is so good. Amen.
Amen. All right. You're dismissed if you need to go. If you need prayer, continue to stay up, come up front, and uh, we'll pray with you.